Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now She grew up in Corvallis, attended PSU, and was a hydrologist at the Bonneville Power Administration. When her father died a few years ago, it hit her hard. She started drinking, quit her job, and had recently been spending time with some bad people. We are learning more about the young woman whose body was found outside a popular park yesterday morning. 35-year-old Tiffany Jenks of Portland died of a gunshot wound. Police make a break in the murder case of Tiffany Jenks. Today, three people are behind bars 10 days after her body was found in Blue Lake Park. Three suspects have been arrested in the murder of Tiffany Jenks. These were the last three people seen with her before she was found dead, shot to death in a park. 38-year-old Joshua Robinette and 40-year-old Michelle warden Brosey. They were arrested after arriving at the Gresham Police Department for questioning. Oh, they came on their own to Gresham, not specifically turn themselves in, but to, uh, for further questioning and to talk with detectives. There's also a third suspect. Daniel Brunel is being held in California. The night of the murder, the three of them met up with Tiffany Jenks at a Portland strip club. Just after 2 a.m., they walked to a second strip club and then all left together in a black Cadillac. That was the last time that 35-year-old Jenks was seen alive. Police arrested Michelle Warden Brosey, Joshua Robinette, and Daniel Brunel for the murder of Tiffany Jenks. And again, no word yet on a motive. Any word on a motive? Um, not that I can release at this time. She knows who I am. I don't know who you are, and you should never tell anybody who you are. Nobody that doesn't know doesn't need to know. You know why? Because it will make you a target. Targets get shot at first. Obviously, I got to do this before I do get started. Oh. <laughs> As you listeners know, I'm Justin. This is Mysterious Circumstances, and this is one hell of a crazy episode we got for you here tonight. And I say we because I'm joined with a very special guest who is also a podcaster this time. And um, I'll go ahead and let her introduce herself. Hi, uh, this is Erin Fleming from Red Rum Blonde, and I'm really excited to be joining you tonight. Oh, I'm excited too. I'm glad that. Uh, Glad that we came together to do this to do this case. And I always ask this question without giving too many details. I always have to ask this: When I sent you this case, what were you, what what did you think about? Now that we're recording, after all you've all you've researched, what did you think about it? When I first started researching it, I had a completely different opinion than what I came up with today. <laughs> so, you know, initially when you start looking at it, you 
you kind of blow it off. Oh, no, I think people are crazy going any deeper, saying there's a conspiracy. And then when you look into it, no, <laughs> you're like, there's a conspiracy. I agree 100% because I just got those audio clips today and I was right there with you. And we're going to, I'm going to do something I really haven't done before. And I was telling Aaron, I'm going to, we're going to talk about some audio clips with her and, um, one of the people involved in her death and then a couple audio clips from her therapy sessions that she had recorded. And as you guys know, by the title of the episode, we were talking about the death of Tiffany Jenks out of Portland, Oregon tonight. And this episode probably won't be released for a week or so, but right now on September 28th, my mind is bent after researching this shit. I'm, I'm a full blown conspiracy theorist at this point. And I don't, I'm not even ashamed to admit it. I I'm, no, I'm right there with you. No, I'm totally right there with you. Yeah, after you hear those audio tapes, that does it. That completely does it. Any doubts that you have will be completely changed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure there will be people out there who be like, you guys are full of shit, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I don't fucking care. Like, this is one of the weirdest things I have ever looked into. And I just walked away with more questions than answers, you know? Yeah, it is weird. And, you know, just to be up front, I'm pretty skeptical about things. And I was pretty skeptical when I went into this. Like, I just don't go and believe anything. I'm not, <laughs> you know, I I go in with a skeptical mind. So that's out there. Yeah. I don't, be- I don't believe everything. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Me neither, but... Telling you what, man, dude, dude has a pretty compelling story. So it's like, what the, what the fuck's going on? Aaron, would, uh, would you like to get us started on this very short timeline of events? And then we can kind of, uh, backtrack and fill in some dots. Yes. So Tiffany Jenks was a 35 year old physicist. And this all takes place in October of 2013. This is Portland, Oregon. So she met up with three people, Josh Robinette, Michelle Warden Brosey, and a guy named Daniel Brunel. They'd been partying. They went out to a bunch of bars and strip clubs. They met up with her. There's footage that I haven't seen, but supposedly it's out there of them meeting each other and shaking hands. So a lot of people think they met for the first time, but that could be disputed later on. Um, So they met up, they drove to Blue Lake Park, where Tiffany was shot in the head and killed. But then there's some dispute over what happened there. Before she she goes to the bar, I believe it's right around 8 p.m. She's with her boyfriend, John Captain III. He's in a position to where he can dig into this case and he can travel around the world talking to people he's he's got money and he's a business owner and stuff like that out of out of portland some of the stuff this guy says is crazy but this is the the official like police record he she was over at his place at about 8 p.m that night and uh, she was she was drinking and she kept saying, she's like, they're, they're going to kill. I don't want to die tonight. You know, they're going to, they're going to kill me tonight. It, it bothers me because when, once we get into like the facts of this, 
he really doesn't stop her from leaving or anything like that. Well, that, I, that just bothered the hell out of me. I'm like, why didn't you stop her, bro? But what she does is she goes into, into the city and, uh, I believe they're at a place called the majestic bar or majestic lounge or something like that. They're in, in Portland and she leaves, she goes into the city, she can't drive. So she has like a car service driver around everywhere and gets a hotel room like close to the bars that she's going to be going to so she can walk around or whatever and she has two double rum and cokes and she is heard telling the bartender and this is by john captain's account i actually haven't heard anything from that bartender and she says my life is over and she drinks the last of her second double rum and coke and when the bartender turns back around she's gone well she walks outside and she meets uh these three these three people outside and it was uh just as you had named it was uh daniel josh and michelle yeah, at 1.43 a.m., she meets the strangers. That's where she's outside on CCTV mm-hmm. talking to the uh, the three people, the Daniel, Josh, and Michelle. And then at 2.11 a.m., she is seen getting in the car, and they leave. And at 2.30 a.m., supposedly two people hear a gunshot at Blue Lake Park. Now, this is supposedly a 16-minute drive. So at some point in time, within three minutes of them getting to Blue Lake Park to to do whatever, she angers Daniel enough to where he shoots her. Now, Daniel Brunel goes on to say that Josh and Michelle made him do it, that that he got so messed up that they said, either you kill her or we're going to kill you. Now, it's really, really weird because their stories are so weird. This is read verbatim from an article, okay? And I have to read this verbatim because if I wrote it down, I would confuse myself because it's just none of their stories match up right. So after they're all arrested, they were arrested shortly afterward. Josh Robinette says that he and Michelle, which were apparently a couple, uh, Josh being 25, I think Michelle was 40 at the time, uh, they were having sex in the bushes at the park. And then Josh says that he suddenly heard Tiffany and Daniel Brunel uh, get into an argument. Now, this is according to court documents. Daniel Brunel claimed that he did not hear a gunshot, even though he's the one that shot her, and did not see what happened to Miss Jenks, even though he admitted to shooting her. But then Michelle warden Brosey, she says that Her and Robinette were having sex in the bushes, and she did hear a gunshot. She admits that Robinette, Josh Robinette, who's her little boyfriend or whatever, admitted to her that he had seen a muzzle flash. So basically, Daniel shot her. He says he didn't hear a gunshot and didn't see what happened. Josh Robinette and Michelle, who were having sex in the bushes, Josh says he saw a muzzle flash but didn't hear a gunshot. And then Michelle says that she she heard a gunshot. Now, supposedly, this is by John Captain's accounts, her boyfriend. The two people, the two random people, supposedly heard this gunshot at 2.30 a.m. But 
the the people who were involved in the murder say that it happened like earlier than that but they're seen on camera you know at 2 11 a.m leaving so the time frame of the two random people hearing the gunshot at 2 30 a.m is actually pretty concrete did you have anything to add to that aaron anything to add to that confusion (laughs) why are their stories also different and the fact is that you know no one has ever said really why she was shot other than there was the the excuse that supposedly she was yelling at him to shoot her but uh, you know this it's just very it's so bizarre you'd think there would be like a a better reason that would come up or stories would be <laughs> a little more straight but that mm-hmm. that is what i find disturbing and it's really weird because like you had said earlier before we were recording, like the police based them on this, on being a random killing. Yeah. Because of the video footage of them shaking hands, they take that as them meeting. When we start getting into the weird shit, you're going to hear an audio clip where she's, Tiffany is literally talking to Josh. And I'm pretty sure it, it was the night that she died because Tiffany had some stuff going on mentally she believed that she was the subject of a mind control experiment of MK Ultra and Monarch. And for those of you not familiar with any of those, like me and Aaron were talking pretty adamantly about this. Like MK Ultra is not a conspiracy theory. Like it's proven to have existed. Like the government at points in time were doing mind control experiments on people. If you don't believe me, please, for the love of God, look it up, okay? It, it's it's really, really fascinating, and it's scary at the same time. Yeah, but, it's cold, hard fact. This is this is not really conspiracy territory because that is just something that happened. You know, if you – there's so many things that you can go back in history and look at, like Tuskegee Airmen. At one point, that was probably a conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Now, that is proven as fact. This is one of those things. It's pretty scary when you start getting into it. You know, we'll get, I guess, a lot more into the facts because when we get into the facts section, half of it's believable, half of it's not. But it's really weird because a lot of this shit starts connecting. Really, really weird. But the police are saying, well, the three people who were involved in the murder didn't know Tiffany. They just got into an argument within knowing each other for, you know, 45 minutes to the point where you know, they killed her. But at the same time, you know, Daniel Brunel is like, these two people, you know, they said, if I don't kill her, then they're going to kill me. I was super messed up. Well, at the end of the day, Michelle and Josh, they only did 13 months in jail and were each fined $200 for their involvement in this murder because they supposedly... Um, provided evidence to convict Daniel of the shooting. Now, Daniel pleaded down to manslaughter because apparently he was questioned and gave information without the presence of a lawyer. So he pleaded down to manslaughter and he got a, I read two different accounts. I read an 18-year sentence and then I read a 13-year sentence. But, you know, in any fashion, you know, this is a blatant, you know, homicide, that's that's not enough, especially for the other two who are involved. What did you think when you read Josh and Michelle getting 13 months for their involvement in this? That's kind of crazy. Like to be so in such close proximity to an actual murder, 
you know, you were just in a car with these people. You're supposedly just outside in the bushes when this is going on. I also read accounts that Daniel bought a gun from Josh. Like yes. He drove to Portland from, what was it, California where he lived yeah, to get this gun from him. So, okay, this, you know, this guy has this gun. And then, you know, they basically get a slap on a wrist. And that's kind of what makes you look at it and say, that's odd. You know, not that the justice system is always fair. Sometimes it's really screwed up. But this this is odd. Like, how did they get off so easy from this? Exactly. It's really, really weird. And supposedly the uh, the serial numbers of this gun were scratched off that day in order Mm -hmm. to sell it. And the reason they were selling the gun, the reason Josh and Michelle were selling the gun was to pay for a a wedding, okay? <laughs> yeah. Which is fucking the most ridiculous, <laughs> one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. Like, I, I consider myself a hillbilly, maybe a little bit white trash, but, you know. I was just going to say that. I'm from West Virginia. That sounds like something that would go on there. Like, that's yeah. that's really trashy. That's pretty bad. But the weirdest thing about these three people is Daniel and Josh supposedly left Oakland to go to Portland on this day. Michelle left Washington that day. These three people drive from Washington and California and go to Portland, randomly meet Tiffany, killer, and then Daniel goes back to Oakland and then... Michelle and Josh go back to Washington. It's yeah, it's odd. So weird. It's so weird. And they all shared supposedly they all shared the same hotel room that night because Daniel, the shooter, goes on to say that he was witness to this is the weirdest part of the story. Daniel actually admitted to this. He says that he was witness to Josh molesting Michelle's nine year old daughter in the hotel room. To the point where he got physically ill. Like he was he was physically sick because of it. Now if all this shit's going on, these two people are getting like 13 months. And the and the sad fact was is Josh actually got convicted of child molestation because of this. But Michelle didn't get anything. And it was her nine-year-old daughter. This yeah. is all interesting to remember too. Like we'll have to come back to this because... That is something that plays into the whole um, conspiracy of the monarch conspiracy where they take, you know, supposedly they take children and they will do things to them, like molest them to try to get into their minds for this programming. That's one of the things that they do. So then you have to wonder what's going on with that family, because supposedly this monarch thing will go run in families and supposedly it ran in tiffany's family with and connects to her father it's so weird when all these things start coming together too because tiffany's job she worked at the bonneville power administration and she had quit her job previous to that she controlled 31 dams along the columbia river okay so she had a government job she had a really good job and her father died a few years before this and and 2010 because this happened i believe was 2013 yeah yeah so her dad died a few years before that and once her dad died 
she started going downhill really bad. She started drinking a lot to the point where she was in therapy. Now, a year before she had met John, her and John were together, I think, for 12 or 14 months. The year before John had met her and they started dating, she had 10 ER visits for suicide attempts. And she had over $192,000 in medical bills because of this and therapy. So she was not in a good place. But Tiffany also claims that she is a victim of mind control. And it all snapped into place when her dad died. But yeah, Tiffany's father, who died in 2010, he was a nuclear scientist. And he had a super impressive resume. And his website is, is still up. And he worked at uh, the Los Alamos National Laboratory. All right. So technically, a lot of people are thinking that if she was part of this monarch, basically what they refer to him as is monarch slaves. If she was part of this, then there's a good chance. And if it ran in the family that her dad was her handler. And as soon as he died, she kind of started recalling a lot of things. It's really, really weird. It's just so weird. <laughs> when you said that earlier, that made such sense to me because you hear all these stories about how, you know, she had this really important job and then her father dies and then she just completely loses her shit. Okay. I understand, you know, death affects people. You know, it's hard to lose someone, especially a parent, but it just sounds like her grief was excessive is the way people talk about it and then when you said that thing that maybe her father was her handler and then that's why that was such a downward spiral that just totally made sense to me yeah it's it was super strange when i started getting into the stuff about her father i was like what in the fuck is going on here yeah. because when she started going to therapy she that's when she started claiming you know, after her father died, that she was, you know, a victim of, of mind control. And she was pretty much going through like a borderline identity crisis. Now, when you start getting into Monarch and MK Ultra, you're going to see the same thing pop up with a lot of the people who make these claims. And one of those claims or one of those things is that drinking helps suppress the actual mind control. So for Tiffany, she was drinking so much so that they couldn't control her mind as much. And she admitted this to, you know, her boyfriend. And there, the, the thing about it is, is there are video recordings of them two talking about it, of her and John talking about it out there. And it's, it's so weird because she is fully convinced of this. And what happens about six months after she dies is John, her boyfriend starts thinking about a lot of things and he's like something's not right with this how are three strangers going to meet from different states in portland for one night to buy a gun which previously you know which had the serial numbers scratched off that day they're gonna kill tiffany and then all split up afterward then you have daniel brunel having all these claims and then you have josh and michelle and then you start thinking, well, if they're not strangers, then who are they? In this first recording I'm going to play for you right now, 
this is what popped up on John Captain's phone six months after. And how these audio recordings came about is we're going to start getting into the facts section here. And this is where we're going to start fucking your brains up, okay? Because <laughs> it's so crazy. Because six months after she died, John Captain started thinking about all these little things. And he's like, this doesn't make sense. He's like, first of all, how are two people who were involved with my girlfriend's murder only getting 13 months? And that's after one of them, you know, it is straight up got convicted of child molestation, you know, and in all this other shit. Then the other guy got pleaded down to like either 13 or 18 years. I read both accounts. He, what he does is, is Tiffany was always using his iPhone and his iPads so he goes and has her old phone, what they call rebuilt. And as soon as he rebuilds it, these six long audio recordings of her therapy sessions and her conversation with Josh pop up in her iCloud account. Now, what makes this really weird is that two days before her death, her entire iCloud account was completely erased. There was absolutely nothing in it. So this is, like I said, six months later, he starts thinking about all this weird stuff, and he really didn't know what the recordings were. And that's the weirdest part. He didn't know what the recordings were until two months after he found the recordings, because he runs into a guy who he knows does a, uh, a like a radio show out of Portland, which is into like you know, weird conspiracies and weird stuff like that. And he says, hey, he's like, I know who you are. He's like, listen, you don't know me, but my girlfriend was killed eight months ago, and these recordings popped up in her iCloud account when I had her iPhone rebuilt to try to look for clues. Well, first of all, Josh's phone number was in that phone, and when this guy, I cannot remember his name, and it, I mean, it's relevant, but ir irrelevant because there's so much else going on, but he basically hears these recordings, and, and as soon as he does it, he's like, this is textbook mk ultra like mind control shit and that's when it clicked for john captain he's like holy shit like she wasn't lying she wasn't just drunk and he starts getting into this now john has been able to fly all around the world go to conventions and meet people to like further educate himself on these experiments he's met other people who who have the same claims as that tiffany had and it's really really weird because this first clip is basically her talking to Josh about not killing himself. He's basically, she's basically trying to talk him out of suicide. And it's, they do talk about a gun because he's talking in this, in this recording about him having to find a new gun. I don't know. We're going to go ahead and play this, this audio clip real quick. Yeah. I got to go buy a new gun. I I'll never, mine, I'll never. I threw mine off the bridge. <laughs> good. You know, good. I'm glad. Um, hey. I'll I'm never, in a much stabler area than I was now, so I don't worry about having a firearm now, but then I was pretty unstable, so... Josh, do me a favor. Don't ever kill yourself. That's why you liked my dad. Oh. Remember what... That's why you liked my dad. Oh. Remember what, what he wrote? I mean, the first night I met you? Okay, so in this recording, she's talking about how Josh had known her dad. So there's a connection right there. They obviously did not meet that night. And it's super weird because supposedly there's there's one theory out there that Josh might have been 
involved or been a victim of this mind control as well. So what did you think about that, Aaron? That makes sense. I mean, that really makes sense when you piece it all together, that he would definitely be a subject of this too. I mean, the whole thing with the daughter, I mean, this all just clicks to me. But it it is weird. I mean, here's the thing. How many people do you know named Josh? I don't know. I've met maybe one. So people might say, oh, she might might be a different Josh. I don't think so. You know, and John Captain also made a very good point when he was talking about this CCTV uh, footage of them meeting and supposedly shaking hands. He said, you know, I shake hands of people that I know. It doesn't mean that you're meeting for the first time. So mm-hmm. I thought that was a very good point. I think she definitely, definitely knew him. And if you think about it, you know, he's talking about having a gun. He's talking about possible suicide. I mean, he might have lured her into this whole situation, uh, you know, playing upon some kind of idea that she was going to maybe talk to him or something, you know, that they weren't strangers. I don't think they were strangers at all. And I know a lot of you guys are thinking, well, why was she recording everything? Because if you remember me saying the night that she died, she literally told John and this bartender, according to him, now the bartender, I've never seen him actually come out and say anything publicly, which to be honest with you, like if I was in the, that situation, I probably wouldn't come forward either because there's a bunch of weird shit going on here. Oh yeah. Oh hell no. I wouldn't either. I'd stay out of that. Oh Yeah. That being a recording, everybody's like, well, why was she recording all these conversations? And it's like she fully admitted to more than one person that she feared for her life. Like she thought her time was coming up. And here's where we kind of get into her therapy sessions because she was hospitalized numerous times or at least visited the ER for suicide attempts. And she was in therapy. All right. She was in therapy after the death of her father. But one thing that bothers me is she also has a sister. Now, her sister didn't take the death so hard. So it still kind of makes me want to think that possibly, you know, her father was her handler and this was like a family thing. Because if you get into, into Monarch and you get into MK Ultra, that's what they do. They keep it embedded in family and just keep going down the line. Well, if you look at it, her father was a nuclear nuclear scientist. She was a physical scientist or, or what other kind of scientist. I can't remember. I read another description of what kind of scientist she was. But at the same time, apparently she has loose relation to R.J. Reynolds, which for those of you in America, as I'm smoking this cigarette, <laughs> know exactly who R.J. Reynolds is. <laughs> and if you're a believer in the Illuminati, then you would say, you know, anybody related to them would have to be. But it's really, really weird because when she starts going to therapy, this is some of the creepiest shit I've ever heard, okay? It is. It is completely creepy. (laughs) And now this first clip I'm going to play you is going to be from one of her therapy sessions. And sorry, you guys are probably hearing me click on my computer right now. Basically, this first clip is her and her therapist, and she is talking to her therapist about John because she is saying things along the line of, you know, he's the, he's the reason I believe in true love. Like he's saving me. And this 
in her therapy session because she, she started recording these therapy sessions because she feared for her life and she was starting to have breakdowns like while in therapy. So this is her and her therapist talking about her boyfriend, John, when she says that she's in love with him. So, you know, what you have with this guy is it's like taking acid for the first time or taking something that changes the way you view your reality. Yeah, every word that you say is different. And so the thing is you're attached to it. But let me tell you, this person is not even worth thinking about. How do you know that? Because this person can take the word. Now she's talking about how John can take away all the pain and, and all this other stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. That could be taken a couple different ways, you know, depending on the context. But at the same time, why, why are you sitting around like comparing him to taking acid for the first time? You know, I don't understand yeah. that. That's like, a weird, that's a really weird point to say. Yeah, I agree fully. So then we start thinking here, you know, like me and Aaron were, me and Aaron were talking earlier. Okay, so maybe this guy is her new handler. Now, there's a common thing among people who are involved in MK Ultra and Monarch, and they all say the same thing. There are certain things, especially by telephone or in person, that a handler can say to like basically snap them back in. And one of those things is, and this is corroborated by other people who who have these same claims that they will tap or snap something or their fingers like three or four times and say follow the yellow brick road and literally if you type tap 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 follow the yellow brick road into google search obviously you're going to get wizard of oz shit to come up first and then you're going to get information on the tiffany janks murder and then you're going to get a lot of information on Monarch and MK Ultra and all these other people who said the exact same things. I had to clean up this audio quite a bit. All right. It's really, really bad audio, but you can kind of hear it. You might have to, you know, strain a little bit. Now, in that clip, you can hear her saying, I, I can't remember who I am anymore. And he straight up, her therapist says, you don't need to remember who you are anymore. Now, what the fuck kind of therapist says something like that? You know yeah, what I'm that's saying? not normal therapy. That's not a normal therapy session at all. Yeah, I, I agree. And after we play this last clip, and this is the one, when I heard this shit, this freaked me out because I don't get me wrong. I've, I've spent time in therapy because, you know, I'm not exactly all there in the head sometimes. All right. 
I have never had an experience where something like this is said in a therapy session. Keep in mind before you hear this, that this was four days before she was shot and killed. That is the date on this recording. It was four days before she was shot and killed. Let me explain it to you in a different There's a war going between the light and the dark. And people that are of the light are being attacked by people of the dark. And I will tell you, that's going to get a lot worse. You know who I am. I don't know who you are, and you should never tell anybody who you are. All right? Nobody that doesn't know doesn't need to know. You know why? Because it will make you a target. At a targets get shot at first. Now, in that clip, you can hear her say, I know who I am. He says, that's, you know, that's not a good thing. And he straight up says, do you know what happens when people find out who you are? That makes you a target and targets get shot at first. And she's obviously distraught in that recording. And just so you know, she this was recorded on an iPad during a therapy session and the iPad was in her purse. So that's why it's kind of you kind of hear them little like muffled sounds. Now, what did you think about that when you heard that, Erin? Like, okay, these aren't <laughs> things that a therapist normally says to you. A therapist would probably encourage you to find out who you are, not say, you know, don't talk about who you are. That, what is that? That is so bizarre. I and, know you know, can you imagine a therapist saying to you, oh, don't talk about this. Uh, it'll make you a target. Like, what? what sense does that make? That's this is what did it for me. This is what changed my opinion on this whole thing. Hearing this, this man is a therapist and he is telling her these things. And you, when you hear that snap or that tap, whatever that is, it's very distinct. That is something right there. It creeps the hell out of you when you listen to it. It did. I listened to it so many times and Every time it just gives me chills. And like I said, this was four days before she was shot. And the weird shit about, you know, there's a war going on between the light and the dark. (laughs) And the dark's trying to overtake the light. And when I first, when I was first listening to it, I'm like, okay, he's probably talking about like her inner demons or, you know, trying to use an analogy of some sort. But then the carry, the conversation goes about 20 seconds further and it's like, <laughs> what the fuck, man? Yeah, it's it's not, you know, a, a euphemism for something. He is he's straight up talking about light and dark. Like what that just blew my mind. I was like, this You're allowed is something to cuss, else. Aaron. You can say it. <laughs> like, what the I know, fuck? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I'm like holding back. Normally I talk like a sailor, but yeah. You have no filter here because this is some weird <laughs> shit. It is. And it's just mind-blowing. You know, what's really interesting, there's a show on now called The Sinner. They're on their second season. And I haven't watched this whole season, but I've watched a little bit of it. And I think it has to do with something with a cult. And in this, uh, the beginning of the show, this very young boy kills these people that he's staying with. But one thing that is used um, as a technique with him is... There's a 
um, a metronome and they're snapping as if to, as if he's almost like a Manchurian candidate kind of thing. I got to get more into it because it might, you know, delve into this whole subject too. But that snapping, that tapping to, you know, kind of release something in that person or to get them to go into, you know, Jason Bourne mode or to get them to be in that conditioned mode that they were in is so interesting to me. While we're on that note, why don't you uh, educate us a little bit on Monarch and MK Ultra? Because this. I love conspiracy theories. I've loved conspiracy theories for years. Um, but like I said, I always kind of take it with a grain of salt. It is fun, but sometimes, you know, it's, it's kind of far-fetched. But this stuff is fact. Back before, it was right at the end of World War II, there were high-ranking Nazis that we brought into the United States and we used for various programs. Instead of prosecuting them uh, for their war crimes, we used them in NASA and we used them in Project Paperclip. This is well known. This is a fact. We're going to get into You're, it. Yeah, and I'll, I'll go ahead. And, I'll go ahead and interject while you get your thoughts around. Because I'll just say, um, like, like you had said, Project Paperclip, Project Artichoke, MK Ultra. Yes. These are all proven projects. Okay, these were all proven to be related to mind control. And like you had said, right around World War II. And for for those of my regular regular listeners who actually were from around, you know, the beginning in my very first tragic episode I ever did being on Frank Olson like two and a half years ago now absolutely horrifying to listen to now because I had no clue what I was doing but the information in that episode is good because I I break down a lot of info because here's the deal this is only the information that we know about because when the Rockefeller Commission started digging into all these claims the then head of the CIA, Sidney Gottlieb, had a shredding party, and they shredded thousands of documents. Now, all this information that we have now that got brought to light by the Rockefeller Commission is what they were able to, to save and what actually got released. So it's really hard telling what we don't know about it, what got destroyed, like information-wise. It's, it's honestly scary because what got out is fucking it's terrifying it's like holy shit and these were unsuspecting people americans that they did these experiments on that is terrifying it is terrifying to think about this all kind of originated like we said back in world war ii with the nazis working in concentration camps they did a lot of weird experiments on people there especially joseph mangala who kind of factors into this whole thing then you know When it started out, um, I think it was kind of, after all that, they were kind of, I think, afraid of the Soviets, just like in any part of the war, getting ahead. So the Soviets did this thing where they were using um, what they call truth drugs. So there was something called Project Chatter that was started. um, And that continued until 1953. Then around this time, you know, the CIA is official. It is you know, a company, it has been made. So they have started something called Project Bluebird. Um, It was approved by Alan Dulles in 1950. So what they did was they would condition people um, to try to get, 
keep them from giving up info. They would control the person with, you know, different techniques. So different things were used like hypnosis and memory enhancement and things like that. Then it went into, like we talked about Project Artichoke, which that really worked with hypnosis and drugs. So there was also this guy named George Easterbrook, and he did experiments with hypnotism. This was even prior to World War II. So then we get into MKUltra officially in 1953. So what they think the name comes from is mind control and control with a K being a German word. That goes on for years And this, you know, like we said before, these are proven facts. And then we start getting into the whole monarch thing. Now, the thing with monarch is that that's the one thing uh, there doesn't seem to be any paperwork on that we have seen or heard of. But there's plenty of people that have come forward that said that they were victims and they've recovered memories and they've tried to talk to therapists and get deconditioned. So it's a whole very interesting thing. There's been movies about this type of thing, Manchurian Candidate. There was a movie with Charles Bronson where he was trying to stop a guy that was under this kind of mind control. There's Jason Bourne. I mean, this stuff is all, you know, is entertainment, but it's based in fact. That's one of the scariest things. And and one thing I just remembered when you when you were talking about uh, the drugs if, if you go back and, and you start looking into it, one of the drugs that they used for these, you know, interrogations where they were trying to get the truth or where they were, you know, uh, what they would do was they would hire prostitutes to slip unknowing people LSD, which is acid. And it's really weird because that's the analogy that her therapist used in that one audio clip and that just clicked in my brain. I'm like, of all the things to, to use as an analogy, why in the hell did you choose that? Like, that's just the weirdest thing. Just chooses acid out of the blue. Like it makes you wonder how long this man may have been involved in this. If he is, you know, actually a handler to make a reference like that, that he, he may have been doing this for a while. Yeah, and there's also the other half of the spectrum where some people believe that handlers are also mind control victims just on a different, uh, I don't want to say different rank, but had a different stature, I guess you could say. Like, I mean, it could go either way, but it's just so fucking weird when you start getting into the details of this case. Like, literally, somebody could probably, like, do a whole podcast just on her death of all the weird shit it makes absolutely no sense. And by the way, this is something I didn't bring up earlier that I forgot. Tiffany used to use uh, car car rental services or, or uh, you know, car services to drive around because she wasn't allowed to drive. While she was in therapy, um, she was getting all these medications, like a lot of them. And a lot of these medications are like you can't drive on these meds if you drink or if you're suicidal. Tiffany was both. All right, she was both of them, and she was still getting prescribed these medications, just, I mean, a lot of medications, and John had actually drove her to a couple therapy sessions where he even said, he's like, listen, like, when I dropped her off, it was pretty obvious that she had been drinking, like, all day, and they still 
just prescribed her all these medications and everything, like whatever. And he's like, it's proven she's been suicidal, but yet they're still prescribing her all these medications. Supposedly, like she started getting all these thoughts back and all these repressed memories and started realizing like what had been done to her, like she had been programmed. That's why she started drinking because she said it helped clear her head to where there wasn't a bunch of stuff in it that didn't belong there. And that's like in the audio clips, you can hear her saying, you know, I know who I am. You know, I know who I am. And the therapist is straight up saying, you know, you don't need to know. Nobody needs to know who you are. Okay. You know, and that's when he starts talking about her being a target. And it's just like, what in the fuck? Yeah. I mean, imagine that. (laughs) Imagine, you know, coming to a realization or remembering something horrific because supposedly with these monarch subjects, the conditioning that they go through is awful. They'll give them electric shock therapy. They'll give them drugs. They are usually sexually abused. They are traumatized. So this puts them into, you know, a a state where they can be controlled And an interesting fact that I read about it, they said a very high percentage, higher than 50% of them are women. And I thought that was interesting. Oh, super interesting. It's just, it's really almost never ending. It literally just keeps getting deeper and deeper. And as much as I, you know, went over my notes, it's like, I know I'm going to forget something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so oh, yeah. There's just, just like so, so much, much to shit it. going on. When I was listening to John Captain, you know, uh, do interviews and stuff, and I was like, man, I was like, this guy is fucking, just when I, just when I was thinking to myself, I was like, man, this guy is fucking crazy. Like, he actually believes it. He literally will tell you, he's like, when this was going on, when she was alive, I literally just thought she was drunk. And just talking a bunch of weird shit until I found these recordings and everything happened with those three quote unquote random strangers that all met in one city, met her for 45 minutes, killed her, and then they all left. And that Michelle, um, apparently she was a driver at one point in time for the car service that would drive Tiffany around everywhere. It's like, okay, well, there's there's another connection right there. How, you know, what in the hell is going on? And I don't know, Aaron. Like, it's, I, <laughs> it's creepy. And then John Captain, I was um, listening to something today. He was talking about, he had several shops and he had a surveillance video of, I can't remember if it was uh, Daniel or Josh outside of that shop with an iPad like taking pictures of it when they realized there was a camera they walked away it's like what is that these you know when they say the thing when you hear there's two you know a lot of coincidences that it's not a coincidence that's one of these things like okay so michelle is just coincidentally one of her drivers and you know she just coincidentally knows a guy named josh and there's just it's just a coincidence that one of these guys is outside of her boyfriend's shop taking a picture, you know, with an iPad. Yeah. It's like, come on. I'm I'm the exact same way. It's like I'm not gonna naively believe everything that I hear. That's just that's not me. I want facts and I want evidence. And it's like all these little connections and all the things that that John Captain was saying, and I'm not saying I believe everything he says. Like at one point he t- talks about 
and this is another weird thing too. Uh, he had taken her on a vacation to Thailand and it was supposed to be like a two week vacation. And he told Tiffany, he's like, I will only take you if you're sober. He viewed it as kind of like a detox thing. He's like, I want you to be sober so we can go enjoy our time. You know, all this and that. Well, the doctor that she was seeing puts her on an abuse so she can't drink. They were on vacation for three days and she gets a phone call from an unknown number. And as soon as she hangs up the phone, she starts freaking out and literally had to be on the next plane back to Portland. And she left because she had to go home. She just had to go home and wouldn't explain herself. And John was just like, you know, when you get into Monarch and all that stuff, when you're person or you're, you know, I hate to use the word, you know, slave, but you're, you know, person that you're in control of starts going off the reservation. That's one of the ways that they tie you in. And this is from a lot of his research and a lot of other people's research that, you know, books have been written about this type of shit. So he's like, I have no doubt that that phone call was to wrangle her back in because she was off the alcohol, which yeah. all these other people corroborated in saying that they drank heavily because that helped them not be controlled. Like in their own mind, they were having their own thoughts and their own realizations and their own views of the world without all the pre-inserted, you know, information or shit or however you want to call it. So, I mean, that, that too is just, is super, super weird. Cause I mean, it's the first time that she's off meds and, you know, sober, she's on an abuse. I mean, you can't drink on an abuse. You will get sick bad. Yeah. What I was going to say was I, I agree with you totally. Cause like one coincidence, yeah, totally can happen yeah. Two, you know, all right. I've seen it a few times, but when you start getting into three, four, five, six, seven, it's like, okay, shit's getting a little weird here. And, you know, I got to say, like, the definition of a conspiracy is a group of people acting in secret to do something unlawful or cause harm. You know, that's a loose definition. But at this point, something weird is going on here. And I'm total conspiracy theorist at this point. <laughs> I'm, oh, yeah, I'm wrapped yeah. up in this right now. Yeah, you know, and we had even talked, you know, earlier in the week, and I, you know, I think I re remember saying or thinking, you know, she she was just a, a fucked up girl, you know, she. Yeah. And I agreed with you. Mental problems. Like, no, yeah, I you agree. did. <laughs> we were both in agreement. She was just a fucked up girl. She had mental problems. Um, you know, she was distraught over her father. She had drug and alcohol problems. Like she was just, you know, sadly. So many of us know people like that. Oh, definitely, definitely. I think I also had trouble seeing why her boyfriend thought, you know, why he made the jump from, okay, I'm dating her, and she said these weird things to me, too. Okay, Project Monarch. You know, and then after, after hearing those tapes and knowing what he found on his phone, which that was something I was very fuzzy about. I was fuzzy about how he came upon this information because I mm -hmm. heard him say, oh, she had my phone. And then when you explained to me what went on with that, that all made sense to me. I don't have an iPhone, so I don't really understand how that stuff works. And you know what? It's because of shit like this is why I don't have an <laughs> iPhone. Okay. Like, I have I one and I'm scared now. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, <laughs> 
I'm Android for life. <laughs> because this shit is so weird and it's like, nah, nah, I don't want nothing to do with it. It's it's, it's but it you know, like you were saying, like I, I honestly thought I was like, okay, she was close with her dad. She's on a downward spiral. She's drinking heavily. And like you just made a great point. John Captain himself was like, I just thought she was drunk and talking shit. And he's like, I never recorded those videos with her to mock her or make fun of her. But he's like, she was saying such weird things that I felt like I had to record it, you know, in order to play it back for her later when she was sober to try to see what the hell she was talking about. And he's like, I'm glad I did because I look back now and he's like, nothing ever clicked until two months after I found the recordings and I ran into that guy. And as soon as I played the recordings, that dude freaked out. He went pale white and he's like, oh my God, he's like, this is textbook. This is literally the same thing all these other people are saying who claim to be victims of mind control. And I mean, he's, he straight up says, he's like, the only difference between me and some other person is that I have the ability to travel around the world. He's like, I have money to you know, fight this, this stuff in court because, well, her family put a muzzle on him for a year and a half after she died because the five witnesses that were called into court to testify about Tiffany's murder were the three people that were involved in killing her, him, and he wasn't allowed in court because he had a muzzle order, and Tiffany herself, and she was dead. So, what sense does that make? Like, that makes no sense. And then when he got these recordings, he tried so hard to get them to the police that, I mean, obviously they're out there and the police literally are like, uh, you know, the, the case is closed. We don't need this. The case is closed. It's done. And it's just like, what in the fuck? And, and he said above all, and, you know, I got to state this for, for all you people that, you know, are sitting here like, oh, it's a great big blah, 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 just conspiracy theory shit. At the end of the day, a woman died, and two of the people involved in her murder were did 13 months and were charged $200. That's it. And they were free to go. Yeah. At the end yeah. of the day, there was an injustice done here. Like, that is not She was cool. shot, shot in the head, shot in the forehead. This is what mm -hmm. you have to remember. You know, over what? No one can even say a reason other than... They were arguing in a car and she's yelling at him to shoot her. Like if somebody's yeah. yelling at me to shoot them, I'm not going to shoot them just to shut them up. <laughs> you exactly. know, it doesn't make sense. It does not make sense at all. And then on top of that, you have the recording of her talking to Josh that night, you know, yeah. and he's talking about, well, I had to throw, throw away my old gun. I had to throw it over a bridge you know, off of a bridge. I've really been looking for a new one. And then she's talking about how Josh knew her father. So like yeah. there's connections there. It's so fucking weird. Yeah. When I heard that, there were a couple of times when I listened to some of these tapes, I think my jaw would literally dropped open. That was one of them when, you know, to say that he, he knew her father, that's creepy shit right there. Because just the, the idea that this man worked at Los Alamos, you know, where so many top secret things have gone on. And it just yeah. makes you think of, like, these high-level people that have all this power and, oh, it just creeps me out. Yeah, same here. And, and it's weird because in that recording with Josh, you can hear him saying, you know, he's like, well, I'm in a lot better place than I used to be. 
you know, he's like, I'm doing better now. And fucking she straight up says, she's like, don't ever kill yourself. Don't ever kill yourself. You know, and it's just like a reoccurring thing. It's like super strange. And then later that night, she's dead. And you have two people that did 13 months. You have another guy that pleaded down to, you know, just over a decade. You know, normally in a case like this, the two accessories, even for being there, not doing anything and leaving like directly afterward and then being involved in the molestation of a nine-year-old girl. Those people alone would be getting 10, 15, 20 years, you know, and it's like, this just does not make sense at all. And also, what sense would it make for him to know her father? You know, this this just average guy who's not from where she lives to know her father, who's this, you know, top level guy. What, What sense does that make? None at all. None. And and at the very end of the recording, too, you can hear her say, do you remember the first time we met? Holy shit. It's like there's something going on here that's just not right. I don't know. Yeah, which makes me really think this guy was also involved in this Project Monarch. Because what they do is their main subjects are children. They take children and they start on them. And so, you know, maybe he met her when she was a child when all this started that's very plausible you know that's the big thing with with all that i mean you'll see it time and time again in these in these cases like they get them when they're kids and there's you know pedophilia involved and and it just goes into mind control and it's literally generations they keep this stuff in the family and another thing that john captain said too that was really really weird was that in some of the recordings like the therapist who still practices by the way you're in portland just make sure you're choosing the right therapist okay <laughs> make sure he's not snapping yeah, in the beginning sure of your, your therapy <laughs> session yeah <laughs> but he uh straight up came out and he's like well that's not me and john captain has a recording of her literally saying his name and him giving the address of like where he's at because he's trying to convince her you know tiffany that this is where you are right now. This is, you know, blah, blah, blah. And obviously, you're fucking lying, bro. You know, another thing John Captain says, too, is that, you know, the family is to the point where her sister literally, in a quoted statement, says, after she died, one of her quoted statements was, she was never able to fulfill her life goal or her life purpose. And it's like, what the fuck kind of thing is that to say? What are you talking about? Supposedly, I I could not corroborate this information, and I tried so hard. The morning after they found her body, supposedly they found it at 7 a.m. following morning, the family goes and identifies the body, and they drive it five hours in their fucking car. Like his or Tiffany's mom and sister take the body in their fucking car to have it cremated. Yeah, I heard the same thing that and, you know, I listened to a news report about when they found her body in the park. And then after they identified her, they talked to her sister. And if you listen to her sister, she has no emotion in her voice at all. And, you know, talking about her sister who just died, no emotion at all. And I remember John Captain also saying the same thing and just talking about how cold her sister and her mother were about the whole thing. It's really fascinating. 
there's just so much going on here and it's and it's so weird because I thought John Captain was full of shit because literally a lot of this is his narrative all right I'm not even going to deny that okay but yeah there is other evidence that suggests the connections that suggest all these other things that he's talking about and when he literally said himself he's like I didn't fucking know what any of this was he's like I didn't know what any of it was until this guy was like listen this is what happened to your girlfriend you know and he started researching it himself for literally years and he had a muzzle her family her mom and sister put a pretty much a gag order on him for like a year and a half and yeah. you can look it up in the Oregon Court of Appeals. Like, he appealed it, and he won. And that's what he says. He's like, the only reason I'm allowed to say what I can say is because I'm lucky enough to have the money to fight this stuff in court and fly around the world and meet all these different people and go to these conventions. He's like, I've learned a lot about this in the last few years. And before all this, he's like, I thought she was just drunk babbling and and when he says that you know he basically just you know confirms that you know he thought it was total bullshit but then he started putting all the pieces together and when those recordings came around you know that started him on this process i don't know it just and to me personally like you know yeah it's coming from his narrative and yeah there's probably some things that i don't want to say are embellished or whatever but he straight up tells people Call me, email me, message me. I will give you whatever information you want. You want pictures? I'll give you pictures. You want video from the security cameras outside my house that show these people out here, the the security cameras outside my business? I will give anybody anything they want to prove. I'm not lying about anything. And that right there is a pretty bold statement. People look at this and the in the their first initial thought is like this is this is too crazy. Like I can't even go down this rabbit hole. This is total bullshit. But the people who actually do look into it are just like, wow, this is this is really, really strange. No, because I thought the same thing. When you first hear him, you know, I listened to I think it was the West of the Rockies thing that he was on and he mm-hmm. starts talking about this. I mean, you really kind of in your mind just discredit him you don't take him seriously at all and you know it's not until you really start researching it and like you said put these points together that you say to yourself you know this guy's legit this guy is like telling the truth yeah and he's like a hundred percent confident in everything he says because he's literally been down this rabbit hole for years now yeah and even her you know i thought this was odd too because i listened to a couple different um, television reports, like when they first found the body, even before they identified her, or they knew how she died. The second one that I listened to, it's kind of interesting that the police talk about um, not knowing why she was killed, but they heard from her family that she had an abusive ex-boyfriend and they were referring to John Captain, mm-hmm. who had never abused her. So already right there, they are trying to point the finger at somebody and, you know, create this past to their relationship that they didn't have. It's And it's not even to implicate him in the murder because we know who murdered her. They yeah. self-admittedly did it, but it's basically just to discredit him. And it's exactly. like, okay, so what about these recordings? What about that? And nobody ever addresses any of that stuff. And it's just like, 
I'll, I'll go ahead and say, you know, I, I believe like most of what he's saying because I've actually been down the MK Ultra rabbit hole. Yeah. You know, a long time ago and I, I jump down it every now and then just to see what's what new information might be popping up about, you know, 60 or 70 years ago when they were started these experiments back back in the 40s and in late 30s and shit. What do you think, Aaron? You got you got anything kick ass to add to this? <laughs> Here's one thing I want to say, and this is something from iPhone owners. The whole thing about her iCloud stuff just disappearing, that doesn't happen. That's what the iCloud is for. It doesn't get erased. That shit is weird. And so, you know, the fact that he had these recordings, nobody knew he had these recordings. And I find that interesting. And then he comes up with this. As an iPhone owner, that does not happen. This is like another thing. You can say that's just a coincidence. It's not. This is <laughs> just down the rabbit hole. Here we go. There's another yeah. thing. Grab, grab a limb as you're falling because this is one of them. And he even says, you know, in one of his interviews, he's like, I am so thankful that she used my iPad and my iPhone because I would not have these recordings if not. Yeah, he might not be saying all the things that he's saying today about this, he might still just think it's some bizarre ass murder that happened. That was a random act. You know, when you, when you look at the overall picture, like I said, conspiracy or not, you know, people are going to believe and not believe whatever they want. And that's totally fine. We're just here to give you like information and you guys can look any of this shit up yourself. Like it's super fucking weird. But at the end of the day, man, like a girl was literally shot pretty much point blank in the forehead for no re apparent reason whatsoever by three random people who came into town for that one night. They all left, went separate places after that one night. But there's proof that she knew Josh. There's proof that her therapist was fucking weird, saying some of the weirdest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> and then the other fact that two of the people who were accessories to the murder and eventually in the same night, you know, to quote unquote celebrate or whatever, you know, who were involved in the molestation of Michelle's nine-year-old daughter. And they literally did 13 months. That's unheard of. Yeah. These are the people that Daniel said after he shot her, they congratulated him and they went back to this motel to celebrate these people that, you know, are, yay, you did it. They got a slap on the wrist. You know, he fully admits, no, I did it. He's like, you don't understand, though. I was seriously messed up. You know, Josh and Michelle got me really fucked up and straight up told me, like, if I don't kill her, they're going to kill me. And then afterward, they congratulated me. We went to the hotel room and Josh was molesting Michelle's fucking nine-year-old daughter. He's like, to the point where I was physically sick. Yeah, it makes you wonder, did they do something to him? Did they slip him something? to get him into some kind of kill state you know just the slipping of the lsd like we were talking about earlier that you know exactly they've been doing it for years and years and you know maybe he even voluntarily took it it's hard telling but just super strange i urge anybody who really wants to go down a rabbit hole to look into this shit because it's you'll be lost for days yeah, I say the You'll same thing. I was so skeptical, you know, when I first read about it. I thought, this is just some sad girl. There's nothing, no conspiracy, nothing going on. She just had an unfortunate life and met up with an unfortunate people. I mean, these things happen. Stranger things have happened. But then when I looked into it, and as skeptical as I was, 
things started gnawing at me. And okay, okay, maybe I got to give this some credence. And then, yeah, those tapes, those tapes are what did it. It's really damning in the fact that the cops and everybody involved, the DA, everybody is like, the case is closed. We don't need that. I'm pretty sure this is worth looking into. This is weird. It is weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely something to look into. But you have to think if this say this is true, say this conspiracy is true. If you're, you know, the police or you're anyone else, you're not going to want to look into it. You're going to want to look the other way. You're not going to want to get involved or maybe you are involved and it's your job to not do anything about it. Yeah, exactly. And it's really weird, too, not to name drop another episode I did, but I covered the the death of Max Spears almost two years ago now in December, January. It'll be two years ago. It was a it was a case with not very much information. And I initially said that he had an extreme drinking problem and he more than likely died of cirrhosis of the liver. Well, one of the people that Captain met at one of these conventions was Max Spears' mom. And that's when the drinking clicked. I was like, holy shit, that's why. And the fact that Max Spears was also in the middle of investigating a pedophile ring at a military base, I believe it was in California, not 100% sure, but his drinking habits had kicked up immensely like towards the end of his life like the last year or so he was drinking a lot and he was telling his mom that the same exact fucking thing that tiffany was telling john captain oh that's creepy that is totally creepy oh it's so creepy and it's like i feel you know i don't want obviously i'm not going to go back do an update on that episode but it's like when i heard that connection i was like holy shit it just clicked. I was like, man, I was like, that. that is super weird, super weird. But it, yeah, it makes you think it does make you think about a lot of a lot of different things that you've heard about people where things didn't make sense where alcohol was, you know, they were abusing alcohol and they had a strange death. And then you start saying, oh, my God, could this be that also? Yeah, definitely. And it's just a never ending search for answers and. I don't know. That's yeah, literally no. all, all I've said for like a week. I've I've really, I did a lot of binge researching the last few days because initially I had the same opinion of you. I was like, man, yeah. I was like, this poor girl just, you know, lost her father and it was a downward spiral. And then, then I heard those tapes and, and started getting into it more. And I'm like, man, I was like, this is really, really weird. Like this is, this is too much to ignore. It is. Those snaps, the things that he said, follow the yellow brick road, which, you know, (laughs) not normal therapists say. And then, you know, supposedly there's a lot of occult references in The Wizard of Oz. Now, this is something I didn't (laughs) go deeper into, but I'm going to now. And with MKUltra, there's always some kind of trigger or something. It's usually a phrase or, you know, they say with children It'll be a phrase or sometimes a song. Or if you think back with um, Catcher in the Rye, we always hear people carry Catcher in the Rye that are, you know, conditioned to kill. It's an interesting thought to think of. Yeah, perfect example, Catcher in the Rye. What we've seen, what, two assassins that were found with Catcher in the Rye? Hinkley and Chapman, I think both had it. So, what you know, what is that? That's And both of them claim 
mind control. And then you have Sirhan Sirhan, yeah. who assassinated RFK. He claimed mind control. And his yeah. brother actually came around in later years and was, you know, started actually coming out and talking about it because Sirhan Sirhan, I believe, is still alive. And, you know, his brother and Sirhan Sirhan now are both pretty adamant about getting the story out there. But obviously, you know, nobody takes them seriously. They don't, you know, it's like, bruh, you, you shot RFK, man. Yeah. And he Nobody's says he doesn't remember. The last thing he, the only thing he remembers, he said, is a the woman in the polka dot dress, which right there, maybe that's yep. a trigger. Bam, there you go. It, just weird random shit like that. And government documents, which you can find online, have proven, you know, this is not untrue. Like, this is proven documented fact that this shit happened. So, yeah, the government, you know. they have done really weird programs like i was talking about earlier they had a remote viewing program i think it was in the late 70s and early 80s Th this is a fact they would try to train these guys to see you know psychically see and try to find targets they tried to find the iran hostages that way i mean this mm -hmm. is just a fact this is something the government funneled money into now think about it you know to the psychic navigators so this isn't that far-fetched when you think about things that have actually happened that we ha now have knowledge of. You know, imagine all the things that we don't know about, yeah. Yeah. that we haven't gotten the redacted statements and all that about, you know, the things that were shredded. They're not above trying anything. You know, like I said, we're always trying to compete with the Soviets, you know, the whole Cold War. You know, and then you hear about all the weird things that they were doing, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> another rabbit hole. <laughs> In a whole other one, yep. But I would but say I... just research it. If if anyone's yeah. listening to this, do the same things that we did. Just research it because you you may be very skeptical. We were very skeptical. Just look into it, you know. Watch a few videos. Read a few articles. And you will definitely change your mind. Yeah, and if anything else at least admit to yourselves that something is not right with this death at all. Like there's nothing that really makes sense except for all these weird little connections. It's just super weird. <laughs> Shit got yeah. weird real quick. There's too many unanswered questions. It's not like, uh, you know, a guy went into rob a house and killed a woman. It's not like something like that. These people that are from different parts of the country somehow meet up and then somehow one of them ends up dead what you know what is that it's just mind numbing you know and and just if you do start looking into this just gonna tell you right now just go ahead and carve out like an entire three or four day period because oh yeah for sure you're you're gonna be you once you get into it it's really hard not to start noticing little things that are pretty weird that that just start connecting and clicking in your own brain and i mean like i said above all you know tiffany jenks was murdered i honestly do not think justice was served in her death whatsoever you know technically it is solved but there's still so many questions that need answered because hardly any of this you know makes sense you have three conflicting stories of the three people involved even if you're still like you guys are fucking idiots there ain't no damn fucking conspiracy shit like i said whitehouse.gov freedom of information act look the shit up okay 
look up Rockefeller Commission. You, you'll be stunned at the information that came out when that all went down. And at least admit to yourself that, yeah, you know what? This this is pretty strange. There's just things that have happened in the past that, you know, I'm sure there were probably rumors of it at the time. And people thought, oh, this is a conspiracy. But then we find out these these things happen, you know, like people getting experimented on or like small towns being dosed with drugs. I mean, these things happened. They literally, uh, I, I believe it was San Francisco, they dosed the entire fucking city, yeah. you know, unknowingly. <laughs> and like that's documented. It happened and the government admitted to it and they did it as an experiment to see what the fuck would happen. You know, it's like. Yeah. And the Tuskegee Airmen, I mentioned them earlier, they were experimented on. They, you know, those poor men worked for (laughs) this country, and that's what they got. You know, they got it it experimented on. Yeah, I mean, uh, same thing, like how a lot of it came about. Experiments, you know, obviously Frank Olson was involved in a lot of this, and he actually was one of the few that had a conscience about it. And, of course, he ends up dead. Yeah. But... You know, the Korean War veterans that all started coming forward, uh, you know, after the Korean War and were like, listen, like, this is some stuff that happened to us over there. That's really what kicked uh, Frank Olson's son and a lot of the Korean War veterans are the ones that really kicked the Rockefeller Commission in the ass and got that whole thing going. And what came to light was just a plethora of information that is extremely troubling about our government. And if, if, if the government, if there's one thing I've learned about the government while looking into various conspiracy theories that are not even theories that are documented with evidence, is that if they find something that works, it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong, if it's going towards their overall goal, they're not going to stop doing it. They're, they, you know, some, some guy saying, hey, you know what, what you're doing is wrong, guys. You probably shouldn't do that. They're not going to fucking say, oh, you know what? You're right. We didn't even think about that. You know, we're not going to do that anymore. No, they're no, not going to stop. Yeah, <laughs> and people are expendable. They, exactly. don't, they don't care about human lives. Human lives are, you know, just something on a chart, you know, a number. People are expendable to them. Exactly. That's that's. A lot of the shit, uh, and I hate to bring up Frank Olson case again, but one of the things that stuck with me is when they were doing experiments in the lab that Frank Olson worked at, which he was conducting these experiments on monkeys. His son said, you know, he's like, yeah, I remember being little and my dad would come home and he'd be super sad and just really depressed. And that's how I knew that his experiments worked because a lot of animals in the lab died that day. And it's like, that's one little tidbit of information that I will never forget. You know what? Documented. You know, look it up. And that's the thing. You, We need people like that, like, you know, his son to fight to bring that information out. That th- These people are fighters. They have to fight against this huge enemy to get this out here. And we need people like, you know, John Captain. He's fighting to bring this out into the public light. I mean, this is how we find out about these things. And until then, it stays just a rumor or conspiracy. Whether John Captain's totally full of shit, you know, I don't personally, I personally don't think he is. I will give him credit and I respect the fact that he himself will tell you 
He's like above anything else. A woman died and justice was not served in my eyes. And that's like what it's about for him. So, I mean, I respect the fuck out of that right there. Yeah. You know, just to want to, and he didn't even date her for very long, but to have enough respect for her and her memory to try to get to the bottom of what actually happened to say, you know, something's not right here. Yeah. Agreed. Well, Aaron, um, why don't you tell everybody how in the hell they can find you? Because I looked for your email for about 45 fucking minutes today. <laughs> I finally Sorry. tracked it down through an obscure website. <laughs> I was I like, know. how does this woman not have an email? And then I clicked on a couple of uh, links and went down my own little rabbit hole for my little Aaron rabbit hole. And I was like, oh, there it is. And right <laughs> when I found it, you're like, oh, here's my email. Yeah. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Well, I do have an official um, Red Rum Blonde email. Okay. It's redrumblonde <laughs> at gmail.com, which I just started. I'm horrible at these things. I'm horrible <laughs> at setting these things up. But, um, you know, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at um, Blonde Red Rum. Um, I'm on Facebook. I have a Facebook group, which I would love anyone to join or Facebook. Actually, page. I saw that earlier and I was, <laughs> I was thinking about joining and I was like, I'll wait until we do, you know, finish recording the episode. Then I'll ask nicely. Hey, do you think I could join your Facebook group? <laughs> yeah. Well, I try to keep it interesting. You know, I'll put a lot of like, um, articles. You, you want to see interesting. You should definitely hmm. pop into mine. You will be amused for days. <laughs> I There's... think I've been on yours. <laughs> if not, you should be. You should definitely join. You won't even have to answer the questions. Just hop in there. I'll, I'll let you in. And we got an interesting group in there. That's for sure. Yeah, there's a bunch of, like, really great people out there that are into, you know, true crime and conspiracies and things like that. It's just we're not a bunch of weirdos. Yeah, and that's that's the cool thing I like about about my group is I I cover so many different genres that there's a whole mix of people in there and it's it's so it's so awesome and you know, I only have a few rules and as long as everybody respects everybody else usually, you know, everybody gets along pretty well in there, so same thing, you know. Well, I have to say I'm a big fan. I'm a big <laughs> fan of your podcast and I, I like what you do. You're incredibly well researched and the delivery is great. And, you know, just to have this opportunity today is to me awesome because you're you're one of my podcast heroes. Jesus, you just made me tear up a little bit right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. It's true. If you, if you look on my phone, if you look at the podcasts I listen to and subscribe to, yours is in there. Yours has been in there. Well, yours is yours is in there, too. And I. I listen to very few true crime podcasts now because literally there's a new one every single week. But no, I listen to very few true crime podcasts because literally it's the same fucking cases rehashed all the time. But I like yours because your presentation is clean and you can tell from your early episodes until now, you've really got your shit down. You can hear the evolution I guess if you want to call it that, but you've really got your, your shit down. You know what you're doing, you know what you're going through and you do cases that like lobster boy. Yes. I, you know, <laughs> I, your, your, your latest one. And I was like, I, I saw that pop up on my feed. Cause I, you know, I subscribed to you 
And I was like, oh, I was like, this is going to be so fucking cool. I never realized that there was something with this. And I mean, it was just, it was, it was so cool because I mean, you do cover cases, you know, I mean, obviously we all sometimes cover cases that have been covered before. Oh yeah. It's impossible not to. It's impossible not to, you know, for the most part. And it's, you know, the way the presentation is a lot of it too, you know, and you're, you're straight to the point. Like, that's the one thing I love is that, you know, once you hit that record button, it's like, it's straight to the point, bam, 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 you know, and it's, there's, there's no, you know, bullshit around it, but you always find really good case. Your uh, episode on a fucking good old Mr. Chase was, was a good one too. And oh, thank you. Yeah. That, <laughs> that fucking guy. that you know it is really hard to find something that other people haven't covered so the challenge is always to if other people have covered it to you know find something that they didn't say or you know to do it in a different way so i do try to um you know find more obscure ones i like to pick some that are from the pennsylvania area or pittsburgh where i'm living now but you know and a lot of times I like to cover cases just because I like to find out yeah. the information on them, you know, oh, like, for sure. like Richard Chase and Son of Sam and those things. Like I knew some about them. I didn't know all the details. So when I research it, that to me is interesting. I'm learning about it. That's exactly how I am too. And like, I'm, you know, doing Wyatt Earp right now. And I, I've been so thrilled and lucky to have people, who are extremely knowledgeable about these topics, you know, to do interviews with me. And it's just like the, the things that I didn't know, my buddy Jerry from Hillbilly Horror Stories has literally blown me so much shit. He's like, Whoa, mysterious wild West circumstances. And it's like, listen, like it started off (laughs) as like me trying to determine whether or not Billy, the kid was actually shot by Pat Garrett at Fort Sumner. And it literally evolved into, okay, I'm going to cover Jesse James, but I want to know if he faked his death. But not only that, if he was involved in the conspiracy, you know, with the KGC. Yeah. And then when I did Doc Holliday, it was like, okay, so that was one where there's not really much mystery, but it was more of who was he really? And then it just, it's just so interesting. I mean, you said it perfectly. It's like, I thought I knew about something until I actually researched it myself. And it's just... It's like, I have to do something about this, you know? It's exactly. Like, I can't not do it. Yeah, I'd have to say my favorite of what you've done with, has been the Jesse James so far. Like, that just, I don't know, that one really stuck with me, resonated with me, and I just feel like I learned so much. Oh, I I appreciate that. I I learned so much, too, and that was a long process. But, I mean, I actually got a few emails, like, you know, why do you keep covering Wild West? And I'm like, if you don't think Jesse James is true crime, dude. Yeah, this is like, they're the original gangsters. Like, how can you, you know, (laughs) how can you not be into this? This is true crime. You know, I, and I get that sometimes too. Like, you know, I'll cover some things and people are like, this isn't really true crime. It's like, no, I don't know. If you look into it, it is. So yeah, you know, people can rag on Wild West. Like, no, those, those guys. That's it right there. Original gangsters. They were too. And, you know, I got to say, like I said, I hate to 
you know, sounded cliche, but you, but your latest episode on, on lobster boy was, was fucking awesome just because I didn't expect it. Like I didn't expect to see that at my feet and I knew that you were doing it or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, and when I actually saw it, I was like, oh, I was like, all right, all right. It's like, this is, this is something different. You know, I've never really heard too much about this and I loved it. I was like, God damn it. But, but <laughs> you know, if not that one, I, I got to say Richard Chase, but more than likely you did a hell of a job on that one. And, well, thank you. Uh, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. So um, I guess Aaron, um, thank you for joining me. I appreciate this. Well, I thank you for having me. This is like a, a dream come true. Like it's yeah. not often you get to chat with your favorite podcaster, you know? You better not use the word favorite. I'm happy to be in your top 50. Okay. <laughs> Aw, now you're higher than 50. <laughs> All right, I'll take top 10. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, you're definitely going to have to come back when I find some really fucked up thing to to send you down, you know, like a rabbit hole or something. Oh, man, I'm, you know? I'm your girl for that. If there's some rabbit hole to go down, that is my favorite thing. That is totally my favorite thing. Perfect. Perfect. And I know, you know, this will get good reception, hopefully get you get you some more listeners and stuff. I, you know, I've, I've, I've heard it helps out. And, and I, I like working with other podcasters because, um, you know, it helps me evolve. Like I get to do different styles. I get to talk to different people. Like it's, I don't know, it's all about change, trying new things with new people for me, I guess. And, so I, it was a pleasure working with you, and I, I was so happy. Like, I remember in my comments on Facebook one day, I'm like, when are you going to do an episode with me? <laughs> yeah, just yeah. randomly, you know, and you're like, you're like just let me know. And I, it, it was a while ago, unfortunately, because I'm always behind on my episodes. But I actually messaged you, and you're like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. I was like, fuck yes, all right. Yeah, and we, we did it. This is, And it was, man, we couldn't have had a better kit you picked the greatest case for us to do man <laughs> well i tell you what i uh i gotta give credit where it's due and i i had a listener jen send this suggestion in and she's like i don't know if you've ever looked at this but it's the it's the craziest shit you will ever read oh man that's I, the, pure gold yeah in the email <laughs> i mean I, I obviously i don't you know not not direct like verbatim but it was something along those lines and i emailed her back and i was like holy shit, you're right. Like, this is fucking insane. And when I emailed her uh, a couple weeks ago, I said, hey, I'm just letting you know, you know, I said, I'm going to cover the case you suggested. I said, I'm going to bring in uh, Aaron from Red Rum Blonde uh, to help me co-host this one. And she's like, oh my God, that's so awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, that so, is cool. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully we can, we can get you a couple more fanboys, Aaron. Yeah. I, I need I, it. I'm struggling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody listens to me, but you know what? Oh, you better Hell stop. With it. I, I enjoy doing it. I'm going to keep doing it. So I think that's, that's that's what matters. That's the attitude you got to have, though, to yeah. be honest with you. Like yeah. I, I always tell people, I created this podcast because I liked talking about weird shit. And I figured there was other people who wanted to hear about it. So Exactly. Yeah. You know, just got to keep trucking and keep expanding your horizons and sometimes go into uncomfortable territory, you know, and just try new things, I guess. But exactly. All right, Aaron. Well, I am probably going to bid you good night and uh, it's about midnight. So I'm probably going to go close down the bar now and 
what I'm going to do is I'm going to drink until all those mind control voices are not in my head anymore. Oh, God. I can't even think about it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, I cannot thank you uh, enough. And um, it was a, it was a pleasure working with you. And I, you know, I hope you I hope you come up, come aboard another time and work with me again. So. I would be delighted and thank you for, you know, asking me in the first place. This has been, uh, you know, totally fun and an absolute pleasure. And, you know, I'm really, really happy you asked. Yeah. And, and the best part was, is I, nobody, you know, I asked you before we started recording. For those of you who don't know, Aaron does a very tight ship. You did good conversational wise. You know, you didn't have a script over there and you kicked some ass. So I <laughs> yeah. You did a hell of a job. Yeah, if you listen to my podcast, it is highly scripted. I can't go off script or I flub. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so but, this, was, this was different for me. No, you fucking held your own, though. That was great. Well, thanks, man. Great. You, you're very <laughs> welcome. You're very welcome. And um, I suppose I will uh, see you around, and I'll let you know as soon as I post this episode. Um, well, I will talk to you later, Aaron. Thank you again. Right. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Have a good night. Thanks. You too. Thank you.